0: guys welcome back to another episode of the in no hurry podcast i am your host colt douglas claiborne so happy to be back with you guys this week for another episode this is episode 75 of this podcast which is just crazy to think about when i started this just about two years ago i had no idea what would come of this project and i was just hopeful that people would listen and here we are 75 episodes in and i've been super blessed with the guests that i've been able to have on here and the conversations that I've been able to have, and this week definitely included in that. Super excited to introduce you guys to Rosario and Callie Picardo. They are the co authors of a book called Money Talks A Biblical Take on Earning, Saving, Spending, and Giving. All of these are just such big topics for us to be talking about regularly. I know that it's hard to talk about money but it's always just so important to have biblical approaches to how we give and save and spend our money. And I know for my wife and I, this year our big focus has been on paying off debt, and saving and trying to be much more intentional with our money. So personally, I was super excited to talk to the Picardos about their book and really just hear their wisdom and I hope that you guys are equally as excited. They just have such great biblical approaches on how to intentionally tell our money where to go. So here is my conversation with Rosario and Callie Picardo. Check it out. Well, I am happy to be joined by Callie Picardo and Rosario Picardo. I almost said Ricardo. There's almost one to say Rosario Ricardo. I'm sure That's that gets mixed happened up a, lot. a lot,
1: happens hey, a lot.
0: This is coming from a guy who repeatedly gets their name mispronounced people call me clay all the time so i'm right there with you <laughs> people think my first name is clay and i get called all kinds of iterations of that but happy to be joined by both of you guys how's everybody doing today
1: doing great thanks for having us doing, Cole.
0: doing good
1: sitting here from dayton ohio
0: all right that's just just north of us here in kentucky so and i'm from indiana so i know the midwest really well so uh but we are We're here, we're going to talk about your guys' book, Money Talks, A Biblical Take on Earning, Saving, Spending, and Giving. And I know for me, this is a conversation that I will probably need to hear myself. And we were just talking before we recorded a lot of people in my age bracket and even younger, and really, I mean, even just a little bit older than me, I guess any age really can, can, can benefit from this talk, but I know specifically in my age range, I'm, I'm looking at people that are still dealing with student loans, looking at trying to save money for houses, and I think really looking to steward their money in a way that is honoring to God. And I know that that's something that uh, my wife and I have tried to be really intentional about this year. And uh, we've, we've done a lot better at being intentional about budgeting and that sort of stuff. But um, I guess I'll first kind of throw this out to you guys. Why was this book important to write? Why did you feel like this content was uh, important to address? Callie? I guess we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, this is my heart. I come from a long line of finance people and I work in charitable giving as a fundraiser. I've been in fundraising for 12, 13 years now, but um, was always encountering people that wanted to give, but wanted to be generous, but they struggled with, well, I'm in debt and there's more month than money. And how do I make all this work? Um, And it's kind of that coupled with you know, in in North America, especially in the United States, it seems that folks love God, but this greed, materialism, it can so often compete for our trust and for our worth um, rather than putting God first. And so what does it look like if you really trust God, even with your money? And what does it look like to trust God more than money? Like if I told you there's no God or versus if I told you there's no money in your bank account, which would cause you more anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and it's true. And if I'm honest, it's like, oh, I have to really think about that one. And I want it to be God first, regardless of how much money's in the bank account. So that was kind of the heart behind this book is how do you really trust God and put God first in all areas of your life?
1: Yeah. And a piggyback on that, I would say um. One of the areas really, um, that is the last conversion point, you know, is the checkbook conversion when we talk about matters of faith, because we want to trust God with all other matters, but it's hard to trust God with our finances. And so, you know, as Americans, we believe that the primary way to acquire something is by going into debt. And so we have this massive financial crisis uh, student loan crisis, and really consumer debt as well. And so how do, how do Jesus followers live into what it means uh, to be what we call good stewards or managers of what God has given us? Because ultimately it doesn't belong to us, it all belongs to God. And so uh, we've taken some of our journey and we've given some stories and just lessons along the way, some painful lessons and some victories that we shared in the book.
0: I think you touched on something that, that is so true and it, it it's it almost can at times feel like a cop-out even whenever I say it, but it, it is hard for us to to be generous with our money sometimes, even as it relates to uh, giving to the church. I mean, this year, like I, like I was saying earlier, my wife and I finally have made a concerted effort to, to really tithe the way that we know we should have been tithing, but it is hard, I think, for us as humans to let go of that part of us because you know like for me as a, I was a journalist before i was a teacher i've never once experienced what a big paycheck looks like and so it's like i feel like giving away even a little bit of what i have is giving away a lot and i know that there's a lot of americans a lot of people around the world that feel like that but even as christians you know we're told so many times the bible talks about money more than any other subject but yet we are still so reluctant to address it to give it to God. I mean, I guess this is probably a simplistic way to talk about it, but why is that? I mean, it just kind of in a macro sense, why, why do we struggle with that? Even though we know in our heart that if God tells us he's going to do something, he's going to take care of us yet. We're still reluctant when it comes to money. So from your guys' perspective and maybe even in your own experiences, why has that been so hard for people?
2: Ross, you want to take that first? You've got a pretty powerful testimony of giving when you were trying to get debt free too.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was coming out of seminary, and I'd taken loans in college, I'd taken loans for my master's degree. And here I was a young pastor, not making much money at all. And I wasn't truly giving yet, because I thought I had all these student loans to pay, how can I give and I felt challenged to um, step up and model what I wanted other people to do. And so I did that. And anytime I got extra gifts with, you know, Christmas or birthdays or whatever financial gifts, I'd apply it to my loan. And shortly after that, I became debt free. Um, But I attribute that with having the mindset of an abundance mindset versus a Mm -hmm. scarcity mindset. When we have a scarcity mindset, it's never enough. And we wonder what we're going to do if we go without. And an abundance mindset is God has it all and he's going to reward those uh, in tangible and, and intangible ways and so when you place God first and foremost, it's interesting how everything else falls in place. So yeah. for me it was paying off debt, it was starting to give with that because there's never a better time to start giving than now. and so it's really uh being able to live into that where there's freedom when we have debt free. A debt free mindset. There's true freedom. Yeah.
2: It's really such a faith thing. I, you know, the the love of money is the root of all evil, but money itself is not good. It's not bad, but it can be a powerful tool. And it can actually be a powerful tool to grow our faith if we let it be. So when we step out in faith and say, okay, God, I'm not sure how it's going to work, but I'm going to put you first by giving first, and then I'm going to stretch the rest and make it work. And being intentional, actually making a budget, making a plan can help. I was working with a couple that, you know, they'd done the Dave Ramsey financial piece, they'd done crown financial ministries, but they were still just not sure if they could do it. And so we actually sat down and made a budget and showed, okay, if you do do this giving first, here's a plan where everything else fits. And You might have to go through the drive through one or two less times a month to make it work. Like there is some sacrifice there, but they actually needed to set that plan to see it work. But then when you start doing it, all of a sudden you realize, oh, this works and you don't miss it and your faith starts to grow because you see God provide and then it gets exciting and then you kind of catch this giving bug and you're like oh this is really fun like I can make an impact here and I can make an impact here and oh I can bless some people over there and then it starts growing um I was so blessed I grew up in a family where my parents taught me to tithe when I was a young kid. And so when I first started getting an allowance, you know, if it was $3, that last dollar was broken out. So I had exactly 30 cents to be able to put in the offering plate at church. And now yeah. sometimes it ended up cold near the donut basket, but it was still going <laughs> to God, right? Like still going That's to right, church, yeah. but I, we, by starting that practice young, I just, it was something that kept growing so that when I started, you know, getting babysitting money when I was older and working my first job in high school and then getting out of college and actually having a salary, uh, that 10% grew and it became fun where I was like, oh, all of a sudden I have more to give away, but I'd say if you're not giving yet, try it. Like just, just start and make the budget to make the rest work, like make a plan, but try it. And I think you'll be surprised how much fun it is and how much your faith grows by doing it. Mm-hmm. And then seeing God, it just, the more you do it, the more it's just, oh, I want to do more of this. And maybe you figure out a way. Okay. You know, I started at giving 3% cause I wasn't at 10% yet. And right. next year I'm going to try 4%. And then next year, maybe I'll try 5%. And God wants you on this journey of trust and faith. And he cares a lot more about your heart, but God knows where your treasure is there. Your yeah. heart will be also. And I think yeah. that's why God cares so much about our money.
0: Yeah, right before you said that, what I was thinking of, God cares more about our heart when it comes to giving. And I know that my pastor here um, has said that many times like, you know, there's not everybody is at a point where they can give 10%, but I think God knows the heart where we're at. Like, even a child just giving 50 50 cents, if that's where their heart is and they're doing it genuinely, Mm -hmm. like my pastor is always like, you know, God will bless that 50 cents more than we even know. And I Mm -hmm. like what you said there. I mean, it it is a faith thing. I mean, it's, it's very much a faith thing. I know for me, finances have always been the area that i've been the most anxious about and mm-hmm. I, I think the the probably because i I'm, I'm just so unconfident about like how so many things in finance and the market work that um i just i'm intimidated by it i think is probably a good word to use there. And so I think you guys were kind of getting getting out it there for a second, where you're talking about some practical ways, uh, you know, talking about the anecdote where, you, where you've helped a friend kind of create a budget, but you guys talk in your book, you guys use John Wesley's teachings a lot. I mean, could you maybe share, you know, some practical steps that you maybe have advised people both in your writings and in conversations of maybe like, hey, I'm coming to you and I don't know how to budget. I don't know what that looks like i've never really had a budget i've never really had a savings account i mean somebody who maybe and obviously there's different people that are listening to this and maybe are at different walks but just people that are they don't know where to start they don't know how to budget they don't know what to do what are some baby steps and practical steps that maybe you would advise somebody to start off at first Callie, i guess we'll start with you
2: first step is to figure out where it's going currently so to actually track your money and know it it's often actually pretty easy if you use a credit card or something like that you can just Mm -hmm. look at your statement and kind of figure out where it goes um there are a lot of tracking apps out there there's raz and i use one called mint.com there's i think dave ramsey has one but there are a lot of tracking ones and you know just putting it in there and starting to see okay about this much each month goes here about this much here about this much here And then I always challenge people, well, what do you value? What's important to you in life? And does where the money's going line up with what you value? So you say you value family. Like, is the money going toward time together? You know, maybe it is investing in taking a family vacation. Doesn't even have to be expensive one. Or like a family night, you know, buying pizza and doing a game night. Or, you know, are you investing in the things that matter? Or is more of your money going toward You know, these subscriptions over here that, oh, they just kind of add it up and you're not really using them even, but just kind of figuring out where the money's going and then figuring out where you want it to go. So a lot of people get scared about making a budget because they say, oh, that sounds restrictive. I don't want to like live in this confined world. And I just tell them, you know, it's like if you don't make a budget, it's basically like throwing your money up in the air and hoping it lands in the right place. Yeah, And a budget is simply putting the money in each pile where you want to go. So if you want this much over here, you put much, that much over there. And, um, but then using something to track and checking in, well, did that yeah. budget work? Or do I need to make some tweaks? You know, budget's not set in stone. You kind of revise it as yeah. you go. But I love, you got to figure out a way to track it. And then I always say, come up with a way. Where, where do you splurge? Where does the money get wasted? Okay, you might need some extra parameters there. So yeah. I'm not going to splurge on buying gas for my car. Yeah. You know, that, that is not a temptation for me. <laughs> if it needs gas, I'm going to put it in. If it doesn't need gas, I'm, I'm not going to be like, woohoo, I'm going nuts buying extra gas. But I like fun food. And so yeah. eating out, we can spend extra to uh, ordering Uber Eats or DoorDash, um, grocery store. Like that's where our money gets slides away. Others, it right, might be yeah. shopping or Amazon, you know. What's, what are those weak areas and figuring out, okay, that's the area I'm going to really watch closely to make sure I'm not over.
0: Yeah. I think uh, like in my experience, it's it's mostly just been being lazy and intimidated by the process and not having the discipline to sit down and do the work. And I think if people were honest, I think more people would probably say that's they, they might have an excuse as to, you know, oh, it feels restricting. I think it, at least in my experience, when I made those excuses, it was a cover up for the fact that I just didn't want to sit down and take the time to do it because it's intimidating and it's hard work, you know, and it takes a lot of discipline that we are just not for some of us. It's it's, it's hard to do that. I mean, Roz, how would you how would you add on to that?
1: Yeah, I, I would say it's a discipline um, uh, and, and it's almost like working out or mm-hmm. trying to eat healthy when you first do that it's going to be so foreign to you. You're going to hate it at first. Um, I can't think of anybody that starts a workout journey or physical regimen is like, oh, I love this, especially if you've been sedentary and not really doing anything. But, you know, so I I think it builds that, those kind of muscles that you need. Um, But I also think just even something as important as knowing how much debt you do have.
0: Mm -hmm. I'd
1: be surprised, I'm surprised when I hear people that they don't even know how much debt they have. Yeah, and so they're they're not really even starting there and tracking it.
0: Um, it's like walking in a like a like a dark room without a flashlight and no light. That's kind of how I envision that.
1: <laughs> well, and some people are just afraid, um, and so there, you know, and there's a connection between our personalities and how we deal and handle money. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- there's that. So as an Enneagram three, I have to ask myself, um, would I make this purchase even if nobody else saw it? Yeah. Would I That's would I true. drive this car or would I wear these clothes or whatever? Um, you know, another thing to possibly even think about too is uh the fact that are we trying to keep up with the Joneses? Uh, because are we are we we living in our means and are we just trying to keep up with an appearance that we feel like we should hold even if we can't afford it? Um and so there there's those kinds of challenges that You know, if you have some folks that will hold you, you know, accountable and check in on you, um, but you you have to open yourself up uh, because you're only as sick as your secrets. And the more you hide and are in the dark, like you said, uh, Mm -hmm. you're never going to get better. You're not going to get healed and whole.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you went there, Roz, because that was going to lead into one of my next questions. So I'm I'm actually writing a book about comparison. Um, it's something that I've dealt with my whole life. And a big part of that talks about what you just said, keeping up with the Joneses. And I talked with an author last year who wrote a book uh, that touched on this too. And he mentioned how people are going into debt simply to buy things and, and accrue things that they, that they don't have money for so that they can appear a certain way to other people on the internet, paying for vacations that they don't have money for. That's a real thing. I know, especially in my age group where I know like at 31, we don't own the house that we live in. We're renting. And so for a lot of people that can be a source of, of, uh, insecurity where you see all mm-hmm. of your friends buying houses and you think that, Oh, if I haven't bought a house yet, I haven't, been successful i haven't made it yet i'm not doing as well as they are and some people will believe that and make a decision out of that insecurity that is very detrimental to their future and my wife and i we know like yeah we'd love to own a house but we know that right now it is not the wisest thing for us to do because we don't have money if something were to go wrong we don't have money to fix a lot of things like we're we're doing well to pay for our rent uh with with our two jobs right now and so it's like we just we're trying to live within our means but there are people who will buy a house so that they can show everybody, look at me, I've bought a house or look at me, I've bought this car. Uh, and, I, and I I know that in my age group, that's a very real thing. And I know that I have friends that have gone into even more debt than they already had, simply because they felt like I'm at this stage of life, I should be able to do this now, or this is what I should be doing. What would you say to people that maybe are are fighting that comparison battle, and, and they're feeling the need to spend money to fight that? Cal, you want to go ahead or? Yeah, Kelly, kind of
2: take it um, away. It's so some of it's hard, especially if the people you surround yourself with have a higher standard of living. I mean, in some ways, you kind of go ahead find the friends that are gonna walk with you in, right. in the, the living within your means challenge. Um, but I also would say make it a challenge, you know, make it fun to see, okay, what if I didn't buy any new clothes for a year. Like, could I make it like with the exclusion of maybe like, if I run, if I run out of like underwear, like, or socks, yeah. like buying the necessaries, basics, though, yeah. the necessaries, but like, what would it be like to have a challenge and be like, I'm going to try to wear everything in my closet. Even those things that I'm like, I never wear it. Cause you know, it's, it's fancier than I would normally wear, or I don't know what I would wear it with. Like make it a challenge. What if I tried to just not buy any new clothes for a year or You know, what if I decided I'm going to try to find all the free things to do in my city and we're going to try to do them all this year, like have a bucket list of what are the fun free things in town that we're going to make our date nights or our friend hangouts. And, you know, yeah. for instance, Dayton's got incredible Metro parks. So what will it will look like to over the course of the summer or fall, try to hike some of the Metro right. parks, yeah. you know, for fun. Like that's a free way to get together with friends rather than trying to eat out or grab coffee. That you know, it's a little here, a little there, but adds up, but um, there's there, you kind of have to get some people with you to say, Hey, Let's let's do this challenge. Like, what's, What if we did this together? I mean, it is so much easier to do with th- things
0: with right. people
2: than trying to do them on our own.
0: Right, Ross. How, what would you add to that? Um, you know, I, I would
1: say um, one of the things, like, if you're in a friend group, like Callie said, uh, and she did this with a group of friends. Uh, they she was discipling some girls from co- from a college. And instead of going out for coffee at Starbucks, they started to make coffee and they took the money that they would normally invest in a Starbucks and, um, ended up doing something charitable with it. Um, I mean, you can do, you can do those kind of challenges on your own or with friends. Um, I really think it's a mindset around money. So it's, uh, just like food, uh, you know, people, sometimes they have an unhealthy, um, mindset about food. And so it becomes a trigger point, um, with addiction, let's say, uh, yeah. but with mo- money, the same thing can be true. And so when we do premarital counseling, we talk about, um, you know, I asked them and we asked them, how did your parents treat money? How did, what, how did, because it's a lot of it is, um, caught versus taught.
0: Yeah. If that
1: makes sense. And what we see modeled. Absolutely, yeah. And so, and then it's interesting because then couples never really end up talking about it and they just make assumptions because they're coming from two different operating systems. So I think as much as we can communicate, pay attention, monitor, um, I think those things make for healthy conversation. Yeah. The question
2: why we do things, I mean, sometimes we just do it because- hey, you know, we always go out to eat or, you know, we always grab coffee together. You know, what would it look like to do something different? We were. um, So first of all, when Roz and I got engaged, I said, I said, yes, with one qualification, I made Roz go through the Crown Financial Ministries Bible study with (laughs) me in order to get married. And so that's right. So we recruited a group from our church and we were getting married sooner. So we made it through like half the group, half the study. And then we said, hey, we're taking a two week break so we can get married and go on a honeymoon and then we're going to resume this together. But we wanted to start our finances off in line with God's word together because finances can be a major source of stress on marriages, especially. um, And we wanted to be on the same page with that. But there was a couple in the study with us that they were getting married right at the end of this and they got to the chapter on debt and they said gee do you think maybe we're not supposed to put our honeymoon on a credit card (laughs) and we said you know that would you know god's word might have some cool things to say about that avoiding debt you you know saving for purchases and so they said okay we are going to find an incredible but less expensive honeymoon and they started taking odd jobs and working together to save up money for that honeymoon. So they started their marriage off rather than taking on more debt. They accomplished something by saving up together for an incredible yeah. experience away. And so it was just a different, like they, they were like, oh, honeymoon, credit card. That was just their natural mindset. And so sometimes yeah. it takes that shift of, well, what if we did it a different way?
0: Yeah. I, I love that. And I think whenever I think about this, I noticed I mentioned this earlier, but I, I keep going back to the word discipline because it does take mm-hmm. discipline to do something that is out of the norm. Like that, that decision to say, you know, maybe we're not going to do this like we thought we would do maybe taking a honeymoon later than right after the wedding. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of a out of the norm. And if for some people that may be the best decision, you know, and like my wife and I were fortunate we were able to pay for ours. Um, but some people that that might not be the case and and it's like you know it there's no harm in taking i mean you see people this year that they got married last year during covid and they took their honeymoon a year later and it was still just as special or they had their reception a year later it was just as special and i know that it's not kind of the norm it's kind of um you know sort of um what's the word i'm looking for uh, like i can't think of the word i'm looking for but yeah it's it's sort of um unordinary unorthodox that's the word i was looking for i do there was an o in there so unorthodox um English teacher, I should be able to come up with a word on the spot, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you would think that you know people would would they, they would always want to be doing that, but I hear people now. I'm, I'm encouraged by the people that are more and more saying, you know what, maybe let's try to save here. Let's maybe not do that. Let's maybe sell one car and just use one, you know, one car if we if we don't have to have two car payments. That kind of stuff. So I think whenever I think about all this, what what you guys are hinting at, and I think kind of the the premise of this um, is just that. I think I hear the word freedom. I think that when 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 we put all of this together and especially whenever we give this to God, ultimately what we're hoping for is this freedom from the bondage that money can put on us. Because ultimately money is a gift from God. And it's not meant to be something that, you know, restrains us, but we allow it to. So um, you know, when you talk about the freedom here, I mean, obviously, like when we surrender it to god we are hoping for that total freedom but you know when we i guess can you explain that like how much i guess i'm getting at is when we finally ultimately surrender the the money to god that freedom that we can experience i don't know if you guys have, have gotten fully there but that's ultimately the hope that we're getting at so can you elaborate on what that's like and that freedom and how we can seek after that
2: really a trust it's a seeing god provide and just knowing okay I've seen God be faithful thus far. I know God is faithful. Um, and when you surrender it to him and really believe that, okay, it all belongs to God. So if it's all God's and God wants to increase it, great. If God wants it to go over here. Okay. Like but trusting God first is in control. Um, and honestly it is, it is the freedom comes from those baby steps, just trusting God more and more and more and more. And when you see God faithful one time, it's easier to see God faithful again. I mean, I think of the Israelites, they would often set up stones as a reminder of God's faithfulness. And um, at one point they called it an Ebenezer stone. And that just means thus far, the Lord has been faithful. Mm -hmm. Um, And as your trust muscle builds, I mean, it's you know, we we're talking earlier about workouts and that building a discipline. Well, you can, yeah, build I love those that analogy. Spiritual too. muscles, so do some spiritual workouts by trusting God, and then it grows your faith and grows those trust muscles to be able to trust God again. And it sets you free because there's that peace that surpasses all understanding, it, it gets rid of that anxiety and that fear of not having enough. Because you've seen times where you shouldn't have had enough, and somehow it worked out, and you might not have had everything you wanted, but God provided what
0: you needed. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would,
1: I would add to that. Um, in terms of, um, you know, in uh, with freedom, with financial freedom, like if God's calling you to be a missionary around the world, and you're thinking, "Well, I can't, God, because I got all this debt behind." I mean, that's what financial freedom does; it allows you the flexibility. Or you want to help a friend buy a car man, you can do that because you have that freedom. Um, You have the freedom to bless the people in your life. And so we've been able to experience that. And uh, one of the things that when we moved to the Dayton area, uh, Callie took a year off of work and we were able to do that on one salary. Um, And she was able to network and get to know people and everything else and help serve at the church and the food pantry, all the different things that she wanted to do um, for a season, but we otherwise wouldn't have been able to do that if we didn't have that freedom. Yeah. I
0: love that. Yeah. I I think the, the kind of the verse that's been, um, on my mind a lot, as I've been working on this book about comparison is Philippians two, three through four. And it's basically talking about putting people above ourselves. And I know that as it relates to money, it's often hard to do. And I know we spoke about giving earlier, but I do kind of want to camp out here for a second, just at the giving element of, of, of what we're talking about, because as we're, as we're talking, you know, primarily to Christians, that's a hard thing even for some people to do is to give money. And I I know we talked about tithing, but I guess I I liked Roz, what you said earlier about having the heart of abundance rather than a heart of scarcity. And I, I think that's probably another layer of this freedom is and you just touched on it a minute ago, but having the the freedom to give and the ability to give and the heart to give, whenever you start to give your finances to God and sort of align them the way that you want them to be, kind of like you said, put the money where you want it to go, tell it where it needs to go. Um, did you guys notice, and at least in your lives and other people that you have maybe talked to and worked with, did you notice a heart change to where not only was there space for giving, but then now there was a desire and a heart for giving because the money was no longer being used for selfish means. It was being used for what God had intended it to be. Did you ever, did you notice that kind of shift both with you guys and other people?
2: Definitely. I mean, the, when you start giving, seeing God provide for yourself, but then God work through you to do some really cool things for the kingdom. I mean, to be able to bless others. And you see firsthand that impact all of a sudden it's like, okay, no, 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 this money is better invested elsewhere. I mean, you can invest it in the stock market and it may go up or down. Um, But if you invest it in God's kingdom, God's in charge of the returns and it's always going to have an infinite return. I mean, hundredfold return, you know, versus if we're, you know, anywhere else we put it, it's not going to have that type of return than when we're given to God. And it's, it's both um, the giving of finances but there are other ways of giving too like if everything belongs to god god might call you to do something else so we've had different seasons where we've had people live in our house with us for mm-hmm. free um who've needed a spot to stay and we felt god nudging and saying provide there um we've had times where we have felt like god's like we've, we we could have sold a car and god said no give it we could have wow. sold an old iphone and yeah. god said nope Bless someone with it and use and
0: when you're looking for, at the the amount of money that could be coming back to you, that's gotta be hard to do.
2: It it was, but not when God's saying right, do yeah. it. Like it would and it it's again goes back to that scarcity and abundance mindset. If you're thinking about, oh, what could I have? What wouldn't I have? What would I have to go without? Then it's kind of getting in that scarcity mindset. But when you start from that perspective of, oh my goodness, God, look at all the ways you have blessed me. Like God, first of all, the gift of your son that I can have eternal life, like all of my debt of my sin is fully canceled, fully paid. I am debt-free when it comes to my sins because of what you did on the cross. God, you've blessed me with my family, with my health. You've given us food to eat and a roof over our head and clothes. Even if I feel like I have nothing to wear, God, I have plenty of clothes, like just, just going through and thinking through all the ways that God's already blessed us. then it's like, oh, I would love to be a part of you blessing someone else so that they can right. experience that abundance as well.
0: Yeah. Roz, what would you
1: add to that? Um, I, you know, I would say it, it, it's become addictive for me to give. Um, yeah. I love, I love giving and it, I never had that spiritual muscle before. And so what we've had to work on is Callie is a planned giver. So we have our planned giving, but I'm spontaneous and I'll just give on the spot. So we have planned for spontaneous giving as well.
0: <laughs> That's good. I
1: like
2: as, that. as backward as that sounds, but you know, it, it, we were breaking the budget because of the spontaneous giving. So we started planning. So we'd have money set aside for the spontaneous giving.
0: It makes sense So I like that. Yeah. So Callie and Rosario, I guess kind of wrap up here. Um, what are you hoping is they are maybe one or several of the main takeaways from this book. Like after people read this book they hear your words, what are you hoping that they're kind of empowered and championed to do once they're done reading this? Callie, I guess we'll start with you on this one.
2: I'm just hoping they grow closer to God, but they take one or two steps of faith with God and their finances to line their money up to speak in a way that God's speaking to them. Um, that they will and that ultimately grows their faith where they start trusting God more and seeing the fruit of it as they are faithful in the little things that God just blesses them with more not as might be finance might just be more opportunities might just be more opportunity to see God move in and through their lives but the ultimate goal is that people would grow closer to the Lord in their heart and also in practical ways of living out their faith
1: yeah and I would say for I would say for me, it's um, not only just individual Jesus followers, but it is also um, faith communities as well. So local churches being able to live out their call and not shine away about talking through finances, but actually modeling what they want to see out of the parishioners and people that attend. And so I think this is a tool that we love to see equip individuals, but also churches and smaller groups as well.
0: I love that. And, and just as a, as a writer, I'm interested you guys kind of co-write, co-wrote this book. Uh, Raj. you've written several books. I believe this is the first one you guys have written together though. And first uh,
2: book for me writing
0: first book for you. That's awesome. So what was this process like just from a writing perspective, writing it together and sharing ideas and collaborating together. And then obviously Callie, for you, seeing your name attached to a book for the first time, what was all that like for you guys? Roz, you go
2: first. You've done it with other people. What was I like to write with?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my style is I just start writing. And I know um, some people are perfectionist and it takes them, you know, it's just the starting point. They can't get started. And for me, If I don't just start writing, I'm going to get hung up on everything else. And so I may have an outline. I may have some ideas I want to talk about, but I don't try to perfect things as I write. I think that that can be done after the fact, but I need to go ahead and just get going Uh, versus Callie's think struggled in the past that every sentence has to be perfect.
2: I'm a recovering perfectionist. So I had tried to sit down and write books before. And each time I would sit down, I'd reread everything I'd already written, make tweaks here and there. And then all of a sudden realize I was out of time to write anything new. So writing with Raz was such a gift because he just, is, he just starts writing. And I've learned from his style of he just kind of writes chunks and then he figures them out later. And sometimes they need moving and they need editing, but that's okay. Like yeah. the important thing is just getting it out there. And so now I'll just write and I'll leave blanks where there's information I need to go back and look up or sometimes I'll be like, oh, I need to add this story here. So I'll leave like a highlighted mark for myself to, okay, go back and add it there. Roz is also really permission giving with his writing. And so we've done so much together that he kind of trusts if I think something needs to be rearranged, he's like, move it, move yeah. it, rearrange it. He knows I'll check with him if it seems like it would be a big change. But yeah, um, when we were, when I was single, my Prayer for who I was going to marry. I just gave up my long list of, you know, must be six foot four and like loves, <laughs> loves going for hikes and going to the Like I, like I just gave up all my crazy list. And of course, wanted someone who loved Jesus, but I just, my prayer became God, if I'm supposed to get married, let it be someone that we can serve you better together than we can apart. And so mm-hmm. God very much answered that with Roz and he is one that, um, a sees more God potential in me than I see in myself. That B, like he brings out the best in me, and I think I bring that the best in him. And so, writing together um, was really it. It worked. Like he kept me moving, and I followed up and made sure all the details worked. And um, yeah. he had to be patient with me because I'm I move slower than he does. But <laughs> it, it finally came together.
0: sounds like you guys made a good team so that's awesome uh the last question that i always love to ask my guests and you guys can answer this either individually together or both but the show the name of the show is in no hurry and i created this show um after i was in a very very busy season of life and i was looking for ways to slow down and was kind of relying on on that with god to slow down and kind of just hear god and and be still and i know for us as christians even it's very hard for us to do that sometimes what, what does that look like for you guys? What do you guys do to sort of uh, peel back during busy seasons and just slow down? And maybe that as a couple or um, individually. So how, I guess Callie will have you answer. And if you guys kind of do something together, you could share that. And if there's something individually you do as well, uh, I'd love to hear that too.
2: I feel like it's a struggle of ours, if I'm honest. Like we just, we both do a lot and have multiple jobs and have three small kids who are awesome. But, you know, Downtime is often not really downtime. So for me, I'm kind of the first one up in our household. And so I love my morning time with God. Like I always have that time in the morning where I'm just still, I do a lot of journaling and kind of listening prayers. So often I'm just sitting with God, sitting with scripture, sitting with a prayer, but just trying to listen for God's still small voice. Um, and then I try to regularly take a Sabbath. Normally for me that's on Saturday, just because mm-hmm. um Roz is a pastor and I'm on the preaching team at our church. So Sundays are not restful. So Saturday for me is a day where I try not to schedule much. Um, and I know I'm going to be with the kids, but you know, in the, in the theme of in no hurry, you can't hurry a toddler. Like when we're in the morning, we're like, we gotta go. We gotta go. Like put your shoes on. Like I told you 10 times. So to have a day where it can just be like, if you want to be in your pajamas, great. Okay. You're not ready for breakfast yet. Tell me when you're hungry, like just have a day where we're going at a slower pace is a gift. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Roz, how about you?
1: Yeah. I would say whenever we get to have some of that family time, um, that I think is helpful. Each of us do spiritual direction, which is a time to really purposefully uh, tune into God and work with almost a coach to uh, help us in that. Um, Another thing is, you know, exercising and really just kind of slowing down in that regard, but spending time at home um, and with our family, especially during COVID has, has been a great reset for us. It really has. That's great.
2: And we're trying to build date nights back in because That's we good, used yeah. to go for them weekly when we were dating and then newlywed and with kids, it, it became hard. So yeah we're not every week, but we're every couple weeks, um, you know, trying to get that date night together.
0: That's good. Yeah. We don't have any kids yet. So we're able to continuously keep our Friday night date night intact, but I know if, and when we have kids that'll have to be adjusted. So we're enjoying that now while we don't have any kids yet, but different uh,
2: seasons, different seasons. It's finding out how to connect in the season you're in.
0: Exactly. Well, guys, how can people connect with you all if they want to? Are you guys on social media and, and where can they find your book? How can they purchase that? Just give us the rundown on how we can connect with you guys.
2: Yeah, Money Talks A Biblical Take on Earning, Saving, Spending, and Giving is available on Amazon and in a variety of other places too, but Amazon's probably the easiest place to find it. Uh, We've also got the Better Together podcast with Callie and Rosario Picardo. Um, Don't stop listening to Cole's because his is incredible. (laughs) But if, if you are a podcast junkie and want an extra little podcast here or there, ours are short. They're like 10 to 20 minutes, but on different topics of faith, faith related, but living it out.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Go and subscribe to theirs for sure. Ross, how about you? Any, any other ways to connect with you specifically, or is that? Yeah, it's you it right um. There? You
1: can look up uh, RosarioPicardo dot or on my Facebook. Rev Roz is my handle, so you
0: That's can I like it. look.
1: Yeah, you can
0: look me up and uh, follow me there too. All right, well, guys, thank you so much for joining me. This was great. Uh, it's, always, it's always challenging in a good way when I get to talk uh, with people about money because I know I, I always learn something. And so I hope people that are listening do as well. But it was great uh, to meet you guys, talk with you guys about this book. And I'm excited to hear your podcast. I'm going to go check that out as well. So thank you guys for joining me. Thanks, hey, Cole. thanks for, thanks having, for us. having us. Well, that was a lot of fun. I really appreciated hearing from Roz and Callie about their new book. And I just appreciated their wisdom on how to be intentional with our money in so many different ways. Hey, if you found this conversation beneficial, I would love for you to leave a five-star review, a comment on Apple Podcasts. Let people know that you enjoyed this episode and feel free to share this with anybody who you think might benefit from hearing it as well. Also check out their podcast, go buy their book, all of it. Give them a follow on social media. All the links to that are in the show notes. So make sure that you go down there and check those out. If you're looking to connect with me, I am pretty easy to find. Just look for Cole Claiborne on Twitter and Instagram. I would love to connect with you there. You can also check out my website, coleclaiborne.com. While you're there, sign up for my newsletter right there at the newsletter tab. Just click on that. It'll take you to a screen to sign up for that. But thanks again for tuning in this week. I hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry this week. And we'll catch you next time out.